You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello, welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. It is Thursday, the 3rd of February. There's lots to discuss in today's show. I'll be doing that in the main with ITV and racing TV broadcaster Rishi Passad. We'll hear from Gary Moore about Goshen and other runners that he's got this weekend. Um, we'll also hear from Leandro Mora, who is the assistant trainer to Doug O'Neill, who sends out a host of horses tomorrow at Maidan, including Hot Rod Charlie in round two of the Al Maktoum Challenge. But first of all, some breaking news overnight that follows on from my discussion with Jane Mangan yesterday about the trial in Manhattan of the veterinarian Dr. Seth Fishman. Here's Nick to tell us more. Yes, Tom, that's right. As you flagged up with Jane Mangan on the podcast yesterday, a jury of eight women and four men in the United States District Court in Manhattan have found Florida vet Dr. Seth Fishman guilty of conspiring to violate adulteration and misbranding laws in the manufacture of performance-enhancing drugs administered to racehorses by corrupt trainers for money and fame. Uh, Pat Cummings is with me. Pat is the director of the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation. We've talked around these matters before on here. Pat, it's worth reminding ourselves, first of all, when Dr. Seth Fishman was apprehended and by whom and with whom? Yeah, the most recent uh, time of his apprehension was really in March of 2020 as part of the wide sweeping uh, collection of individuals, including trainers Jorge Navarro and Jason Service, along with a variety of uh, standard bred racing trainers, uh, associated personnel, and various pharmacological effects. As part of the, this this ongoing federal uh, probe uh, that led to the indictment of these individuals, and, the, and Fishman was really the first to go to trial here uh, basically almost two years on from the initial roundup by the FBI, and it took a, a jury in New York uh, just a few hours, half an hour on the first day and several hours on Wednesday to find him guilty and convict him, and he will now face up to 15 years in prison when a sentencing comes down in uh, a few months. So Jorge Navarro guilty, Fishman guilty, Jason Service arguably the most high-profile character in this case, given that he handled maximum security and the infamy that ensued. When can we expect Service to face trial, Pat? The thought is... is not immediately, uh, Nick. So we, we don't have an exact answer on that, but there were three uh, groups of defendants. Fishman was in the first group. For what it's worth, the other co-defendant uh, was uh, came down with COVID and they basically had to stop the trial on her. And so there was a mistrial that basically left Fishman as the sole defendant at this point in time. Service is in the third group of defendants and the expectation is that it is unlikely that he would... Uh, come up until uh, probably sometime in the uh, in the spring, um, probably after March. And that's just based on an earlier timeline that the judge had put forward. So it, it's, it's still open and to be determined. But I think a, a legitimate question has to be is, does service go to trial at all now? Does, does he determine uh, that he has information that the federal government may want? And if so, 
can he negotiate some sort of deal at this point, seeing just how quickly uh, Fishman uh, was found guilty? Pat, the aspect of this case that has uh, arched most eyebrows globally, perhaps, is the connection between uh, Fishman and the United Arab Emirates, which are, are several, it seems. Yeah, one of the kind of key storylines in in the evidence that was was entered uh, by the federal prosecutors is the role that Fishman played in providing performance-enhancing drugs to Jorge Navarro in facilitating XY Jets win in the 2019 Dubai Golden Shaheen in the you know, releases from the federal government in the trial. It was very clearly tied that, that there had been wiretaps, uh, messages that were intercepted, where Navarro credits Fishman. You know, Fishman congratulates Navarro for winning the Golden Shaheen. Navarro comes back and says, hey, a big part of this is you too. And uh, that Navarro has already admitted to um, to this as part of his guilty plea and and his uh, sentence uh, for prison, which is is due to commence in a few months. Um, this is not the only time, however, that, that the United Arab Emirates has been mentioned in the trial. Uh, there was a reference late in court proceedings during the, the, the evidentiary period of the trial itself, where um, Fishman, in a phone conversation with a standard bred trainer, basically comes out and says that you know he's very involved in providing um, performance-enhancing drugs in a program with uh, Dubai's Equine Hospital. Now, the specifics are are not known, and it's worth noting. And and this, I think, is is really kind of crucial to the whole the whole understanding of this trial is that there there is only really one pool reporter in the court. The court is not limited to having reporters, but they cannot have any uh, audio recording devices. They can't have a computer. Everything that is being done out of that trial is is coming through pen and paper and the memory of the reporter that is there. And that reporter is being funded by all of the major trade organizations. And so how much information is really being provided? We don't have a full insight on. We don't have the transcripts of the trial. Um, but but this was something that clearly stuck out in, yeah. in the course of the coverage. Um. How strong a sense is there in the United States, um, in Kentucky, in New York, in California, that this is simply the, the tip of the iceberg and this is just the beginning of a, of a purge, as Team Valas Barry Irwin said in a letter to the TDN today? It has been the feeling through, you know, from March of 2020 up until now, everyone's expectation has been more. There will be more to come, Nick. Uh, and frankly, we're all waiting. So while there is information that you know was new and um, the different names that, that, that were mentioned and people that have come up in the trials, no one new has been indicted that, that anyone publicly is aware of. Nothing's been unsealed. Uh, no, no arrests. No more uh, details on, on anything have, have, have come to light. And I think that's been a, a great frustration for many involved thinking that this was the tip of the iceberg. If so, where are we now? Uh, the biggest difference of what happened today and how things may have changed is that there has been a conviction, a jury convicted someone in this case, as opposed to um, just simply pleading guilty and 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 just taking a penalty and and, and and moving on. This is different now. This is this is more, and as a result, Fishman faces 15 years uh, maximum imprisonment as a result of this. Um, whereas up until this point, really five years has been the, the maximum uh, prison term that's been accepted. Pat Cummings, thank you very much. Tom? 
Yeah, thanks to Nick and Pat for that um, update on exactly what has gone on and, and their thoughts. I'm joined by broadcaster and journalist Rishi Passad. Rishi, um, Nick touching upon there that this could well be just the, the tip of the iceberg, not just for US racing, but for global racing as well. What are your thoughts? Well, obviously, the, the facts of the case that have been dealt with uh, regarding Seth Fishman prior to that, Jorge Navarro, and still to come, Jason Service. The facts of those cases are clearly abhorrent and they're a huge concern for what's gone on, the fact that it was allowed to go on, etc. The implications that have come forth uh, through the investigations and evidence that has um, come out in, in court uh, in New York is also a concern, primarily because as a racing fan, you hear names mentioned, you hear implications, um, and immediately your ears prick up and you wonder what's the truth behind these. Obviously, they are implications and allegations. There's no uh, factual evidence about these things as yet. But as a, as a racing fan, as someone who works in the sport, it's, it's a bit of a worry to, to hear some of the, the thoughts and some of the names mentioned. And perhaps uh, it's a concern further down the line. Now, the, the UAE and racing in the UAE was, uh, of course, mentioned by, by Nick and Pat there. And that is something I, I wanted to, to talk to you about, just on a racing front, because um, both you and I have been covering the, the Dubai World Cup Carnival for racing TV. And we're, we're sort of approaching the halfway point through it. Um, talking of international racing, interesting that, that Doug O'Neill has a couple of runners in round two of the Almac Team Challenge, which takes place tomorrow. One of the, the key... Uh, trials on the road to the the Dubai World Cup. Hot Rod Charlie, he or she would be one of the star names, well certainly that we've had so far out at, at this year's carnival, off the back of his um, fourth in the, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Mm. I suppose it's slightly disappointing, um, no second last time. Um, how, how important is it for you that, that horses like him come and compete out at the at the carnival, not just on World Cup night, but in, in the carnival build up to that big night. I think it's, it's huge to have a horse of his quality competing in the carnival, in the lead up to the World Cup. It's happened before, Curlin uh, won during the carnival. He went on to win the World Cup itself, but it adds enormous luster to the carnival. The carnival, obviously, when it started all those years ago, was designed to bring horses from around the world to compete weekly um, and it has done that it certainly has done that has it done it at the level that I think it was intended to perhaps not quite occasionally we get the situation where you get a curling where you get a hot rod charlie uh, coming over um, you know California chrome they have done it before and those are headline horses but I guess Ideally, when it was created, you'd have wanted a little bit more regularity of top quality international thoroughbreds coming over to do it. Um, when, you look at, when you look at the carnival at the moment, there's a great deal of strength in the turf racing when it comes to the home team, especially Godolphin continued to dominate. In the dirt racing, um, that's where I think there could be a little bit more of the Hot Rod Charlies. Obviously, he's, he's a bit of an exception, but if we could have a little bit more quality in that sense, then it would really help the carnival. But the most important thing I think to always remember about the carnival was that it was created to bring horses, jockeys, trainers, 
owners from around the world to Dubai to compete against each other over a prolonged period. And that has been achieved. You and I know fully well that each week there are horses from South America, from Europe, from, you know, whether it's Britain, Ireland, France, uh, Norway, Sweden, etc. Um, and also this year, great to have Australian horses back. Uh, nearly had an Australian winner last week. So it, it is achieving what it's set out to do. Sometimes you just want a little bit more quality, but then there is a little bit of greed amongst us when it comes to top-class racing. I think particularly with regards to the, the amount of, of race, racing and prize money available in the, the Middle East currently, um, there was a sense, for example, when the, the Saudi Cup meeting started up that I, I think you know, perhaps Dubai were concerned about the, the level of prize money and, and, and quality of racing that was going to take place there at the back end of, of what is Dubai's carnival. Um, Dubai Racing Club then released a press release at the, the start of their season saying how much they embraced the racing out there and, and the sense that, you know, it could all exist as one and, and tie, in, tie in together. There's obviously um, more and more racing we're seeing in Bahrain with the Bahrain Turf Series now. Um, is it a case that you think that, you know, that, that there's a, a sense of carnival atmosphere with throughout racing throughout the whole of the Middle East? Or do you see it that, Ultimately, there are only so many horses to compete in these races and the existence of one almost takes away from the other. If I'm entirely honest, Tom, it would be the latter. Uh, and obviously, I have to be honest and congruent when I'm talking about it. I can't pretend to be something else. And um, unfortunately, I feel, uh, and it's a situation and that's similar in, in Britain where you just get too many races on the plate and there aren't enough horses to go around. Um, and I believe that the situation is as things stand at the moment. There are just too many opportunities in the Middle East. And that's, I'm afraid, looking like it's only going to grow. In order to maintain a position, you know, the Dubai World Cup Carnival this year, um, the prize money has got better, or at least in some cases gone back to the pre-pandemic uh, prize money levels. Um, and they've enhanced the odd program, you know, they've enhanced the, the series on the turf for three-year-olds in particular. There's now an, adi an addition to uh, Super Saturday. Um, so in terms of the, the quality of the program, they're trying to enhance that to make it more attractive. But ultimately, there's only so much raw material available with regards to the horses. And I feel that in the long run, more and more of these opportunities will dilute the quality of the racing you know originally when we started this conversation we were talking about or i was talking about the quality of the racing i wanted it to be better than it already is if there are more opportunities elsewhere will that happen the obvious answer would be no so we mentioned that hot rod charlie is running in round two of the almac tomb challenge tomorrow at maidan one of two runners in the race for trainer doug o'neill who now has a barn out in the UAE and has campaigned horses very successfully there over the last few seasons in particular as well as his historical success and his assistant trainer is, has been based out there for the last couple of weeks that is Leandro Mora with um, all the horses including Hot Rod Charlie who we're all looking forward to seeing Leandro. First of all how is he? Actually he's a smart horse but he uh, traveling was not a, not a factor for him so it's not going to take much of him. Uh, so let's see if mentally, if up on the race uh, tomorrow, it'll give us what we expect of him. He's obviously uh, far and away rated the, the best horse in the race. Where do, do you and Doug feel you want him for this race with regards to, to fitness? Is this about building him up for the Dubai World Cup? <clears throat> I 
unfortunately, this is a prep race. Uh, regardless, uh, we wanted to win the race. Mm. Uh, but whatever he finished is still good because he's uh, legit invited for the World Cup. So whatever he can do today is a plus for us straight to the World Cup. What's he? What's he like as a as a horse, both physically and, and mentally, um, off the back of travelling and off the back of a bit of a break? Yeah, uh, one to ten right now. We have him at ten points physically and mentally. Mm. Uh, he took the Dubai track very well. Uh, he worked it last week, and then he, uh, William Buick is a local rider, which is uh, one of the greatest riders I've seen from the UK. Uh, he loves it. He says this horse floats on the ground, and it's, it's it's good to go. So we're happy to hear that. And and yeah, you and you and um, the team and William Buick have had success at the carnival in in the past. Um, so we're excited to see him. And then you've you've booked the. The great Frank Editori to ride Go On in the same race as well. How's Go On? Tell us a bit about him. Yeah. <clears throat> That's going to be a tough one, a tough one, because that horse actually is going up the ladder, and he has not given us a hiccup since he left the, the stage. So um, it's, it's here not just to, to, to be a rabbit. It's here to, to do his part. So if, he's, uh, if Charlie can't, finish it let's hope the other one can so that's pretty much uh, a good thinking about a trainer like Doug O'Neill so it's uh, he's there so. do you know it's, it's, it's interesting following um that you know the team's um targeting of races at the Dubai World Cup because you know a few years ago you you made the decision to bring a, a bigger team of horses out here have 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 you learned to, about how to campaign horses out here because obviously Leandro you spent a lot of time out here Yes, uh, training, uh, uh, accommodating with uh, with the locals, it's uh, it's a very good thing. And uh, we uh, all you gotta do is just teach your horses to fit in, and uh, and you can, you know, once we're on the stage, we uh, uh, look at the horses who can travel, because there are some horses that might travel and get sick on the way, and then uh, it's just a waste of time and a poor. Uh, you know, healthness of the horse. So we try to pinpoint the ones who can travel. We've been very blessed, very lucky to, to hit it the right way. Mm. And just with Charlie, I guess he was a, an obvious candidate for a for a Dubai World Cup because of his level of form in the United States. On Santa Anita last time, just after Christmas, I mean, was that, that must have been a bit disappointing, no? <coughs> uh, that one, I didn't see it coming. Uh, even Victor Espinosa wrote the winner. He's a good, good, good friend of mine. He says, there's no way I thought I could catch you guys. He says, but I just keep on grinding. He mm-hmm. says, I know this horse so much. And he gave us one good race out of every 10, 15. He was laughing. And he says he was ready for this race. And uh, that's what I'm looking on. It looks like uh, uh, on the duel, uh, looks like Clarion and Charlie were really busy with the next horse. To him, so they didn't pay attention to what was coming. So it's one of those surprises that uh, you you get every now and then. Um, now elsewhere, you've got um, William Buick's riding Strong Constitution in in the Firebreak. Tell us a bit about Strong Constitution. He working last time and loved them. So he we he wanted to ride either one because we had two on the same race and we cancelled that one because 
we're going to try and go on uh, the sprint next week, mm. uh, positivity. So he says he wanted to ride either one because he feels like uh, they have a potential for this kind of a dirt. But he did work uh, uh, a strong constitution, and he's pretty happy with him. Is, is he a... He also worked... Uh, so cool. He also worked Give Back Goldie, and uh, he's the one who started to move to dirt. Because Give Back Goldie, the three-year-old, which is running on uh, on the sprint dirt here, um, we were going to go to run him on the grass because he did one on the grass pretty good back in California. And uh, William made us change our mind, so we'll see what what he what, you know what he's got. That's interesting because he runs in the the six thirty five local time, and yeah, I was expecting him to show up on the turf, but but there you are, you're running him on the dirt. You you trust Mister Buick, so that's good. Well, yes, that's one point, and also he's three years old, and uh, I talked to the locals and uh, a couple of handicappers here in Dubai, and they said right now there's not really top three year olds can be competitive for for the coming U.S. Derby, and uh, so. They kind of made a change our mind on the way up. And, and what about Cantaro Doro? Do you see him as a as a potential Derby horse? Yes, he is. He is a tough one. He's doing really, really, really good. But he's still a maiden, so mm. we got him on that race. They are easier enough for him to try to break his maiden, so we can think big of him. But uh, we're happy to have him. He's, he's doing really good though. Yeah, he runs in the 8.55 local time. And you've got Antonio Frezu riding. He's having a really, really good season. I feel like he's having a, a bit of a sort of come-of-age season out in Dubai, riding really well out there. Yeah. Yeah, this guy rides like a California jockey, so won't be surprised. you probably see him in Santa Anita eventually on the next coming year. <laughs> he's really good. Well, good luck to Leandro, to Doug and the whole team as well with an exciting crop of horses running at Maydan. Right, Rishi, news breaking from France that Group 1 winning trainer Fabrice Vermoulin has been banned for six months for falsifying ownership details. Tell us more. Yeah, actually, he's currently in second position in the French uh, Trainers Championship. So, yes, he's been uh, suspended for six months for falsifying uh, ownership records for 12 horses that he looked after. Um, part of the sentence is going to be suspended for five years. I think half of the sentence is suspended for five years. So basically, the whole investigation started after Vermeulen himself claimed unpaid training fees from one of his owners. Um, and then, obviously, there was an investigation which brought up uh, Vermeulen's involvement with um, SAS Le Mera, which is registered to a Vermeulen's assistant, who's also a bloodstock agent. <laughs> and that company, uh, Le Mera, is barred from ownership after an investigation by France Gallo back in 2020. So France Gallo alleged that Vermeulen, Para, Le Mare, or they used this uh, amalgamation of, of uh, relationships to hide Lamara's uh, ownership shares in several of the horses that we were we've referred to already, to up to 12 horses in his care. So because of that, uh, he's been suspended for six months. I think Para, his assistant, has also been banned as well for a year. Just all, all in all, an unsavoury story. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Emerging from France yesterday. Um, right. If if I know you, Rishi, you want to finish with a positive um, and possibly dessert as well. But in this instance, because it's early, <laughs> a, po- 
a positive. And the racing this weekend is very positive from both Britain and Ireland. And some good news as well. We've, we've touched on the podcast about the Dublin Racing Festival. I know you're um, presenting coverage uh, from that on ITV this, this Sunday from Musselburgh as, as well. And you'll also be at, at Sandown Rishi on, on Saturday. But good news from Dublin Racing Festival-wise that it seems their proactivity that Jane Headley touched upon at Leopardstown earlier on in the week on this podcast has been well rewarded because hmm. Gordon Elliott went on a, a course walk yesterday and effectively gave the, the, the thumbs up, the green light to all of his team who he intended to run there. So that is some good news given the concerns, I think, earlier on in the week, certainly about conditions. Yeah, that is great news because it wouldn't be... Uh, the first time that the ground has been a major talking point ahead of the Dublin Racing Festival and there have been previous occasions when the ground has uh, had a significant impact on the field sizes, the quality and some controversy surrounding the Dublin Racing Festival. But it does appear, as things stand, that they've done a pretty good job and if Gordon Elliott and others are happy, then great. And hopefully what it will mean, (laughs) Tom, is that the majority of favourites for the Cheltenham Festival <laughs> will display their wares over the, the coming weekend. There are so many good horses on show. There are also some decent quality fields, as in the, at the moment, as things stand, we don't know until declaration time. There's a bit of strength and depth in a few of the races. Um, and you can you know go through a whole host of horses that you'd be excited of seeing. You know, Just on the Saturday, for example, there's uh, Fildor and Vauban, there's Blue Lord and a host of others potentially for the Autoncouleur, Saint-Saint, Riviere de Tell in the Irish Arkle. There's the Irish Gold Cup um, where it's possible we could see Kenboy, Manila, Indo, Mount Ida that a lot of people are suddenly talking about now with realistic Gold Cup uh, potential. Obviously, Frodon in there for Paul Nichols. You know, you just keep going on and on and on. And you're talking about good quality horses. And you could pick out as many as you want. The horse I'm looking forward to seeing most, and that's just a personal thing, is on, on Sunday. I'm really hoping that uh, Sir Gerhard will win. <laughs> uh, because there's been talk about Sir Gerhard going for the Ballymore. And I, I've got to be honest, I don't see it. Um, but, you know, I'm not Willie Mullins. I'm not as clever as more racing people who believe he might be a Ballymore horse. I just believe he is a speedster over two miles over hurdles. I felt he won at the festival last year with speed. He had too much speed. And that was what enabled him to win that race. And I thought he was ideal for two miles over hurdles. I saw him as a potential champion hurdle horse. Um, so I'd be having had a small wager on him for the Supreme Novices Hurdle. I'm hoping he wins and he wins well on Sunday. Uh, and then he can carry on uh, heading in the direction that I predicted he would. I wondered when we were going to get to the crux of this argument, simply being pocket talk, Rishi. <laughs> and why not, Tom? Why, why not? It's, it's, it's that, you know, I think there's, within every interviewer, um, which um, sometimes I profess to be, but you certainly are, we, we always have that moment, I think, with regards to something like the festival, where you interview connections and you think, I can probably persuade them. <laughs> I've and, tried, but often I get the look of, are you serious? What are you talking about? Yeah. No, exactly. I guess that the issue with Sir Gerhard is um, <laughs> not, not just the, the, the strength of, of the Willie Mullins team, perhaps for the, yeah. the Supreme. I mean, ultimately, that, that Supreme looks yeah. frighteningly strong, and maybe that will push some to, to head for the Valley Boy instead. Yeah, it'd be great if it pushed Dysart down in that direction. That's the way I would go. Still trying, <laughs> still trying. <laughs> Uh, and of course, you know, we haven't even mentioned Honeysuckle against mm. Appreciate It, etc. So 
Um, tremendous racing. Well, Paul Townend is going to be a, a busy man this weekend. It, it's fair to say with the, the Dublin Racing Festival ahead. Um, lots of rides, lots of lots of good rides as well. Um, Paul, should we start with Kenboy? It seems the, the obvious place to start. Um, obvious horse for, for, for this Irish Gold Cup? Yeah, his course form is very good, obviously, and um, he ran a cracker there at Christmas as well. So, um, yeah, look, he's knocking on the door, but I, I, I'd love to win. I, I, I wasn't on his back any time he won around there, but um, I, I hope I can, I can, I can make up for that this time around. <laughs> um, what, what are his strengths, Paul, that that, that stand him him in good stead, and um, particularly at, at this track and against a horse like Frodon as well. Yeah, he look. He just he just seems to come alive there. Um, he loves it around there. I think at this stage of his career, fraud on being in the race might actually help him. Whereas in the past, it might have hindered him. Um, you know, I was he was looking for a bit of company there. I, I felt it at Christmas time, and um, I think I think it, it the heart, as the horse gets older, you know, it, it'll probably help him a bit more this time. Well, in, in the sense that. He'll have something up with him to keep him company, almost. Or, or, or will you look to track Frodon? Do you think? Um, I'd, I'd imagine we won't be giving that away at the start, um, and and riders from there depends how fast they they want to go with the other horse. But um, my dad likes to get along with it as well. And as I say, he is growing up in in his old age. So um, yeah, look, we'll be giving that away, and we'll um, hopefully we can get into a good rhythm. Um, look, the, the the juvenile division is fascinating, um, certainly for us over here. Given that we saw Pi Piper absolutely bolt up at Cheltenham, Pi Piper beat uh, your Mount Vauban last time, and, and you're up against Field Door. H- how good is your horse, first of all? We we like him a lot. We're disappointed he got beaten, but delighted to see what Pi Piper done since. Um, I suppose the thing is here we we lack experience, um, so you know it, it's. It, it's going to be difficult for him, but um, Fieldor has has the experience and 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 knows knows a lot more about jumping and racing than us. But we like ours a lot. I think he's come on plenty from his run in Punchestown, and um, yeah, we think he's come on from there. And you know, he'll probably come on again for the experience uh, this weekend. Mm. Um, Tongue tie goes on as well, I see. Um... And I mean, he had a race, didn't he, last time? It wasn't as if it, 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 well, it, it was a pr- proper challenge, wasn't it? It it was it was. Um, you know, he's schooled well since. Um, his jumping has sharpened up, which we were hoping it would, and it, it seems to have done. But um, you know, the Arden Torch is, is the he, he's been there and he's done it. So he, you know, he is the farm horse. Our horse is full of potential, though. Mm. Um, now I've got. Um, I don't know who you ride in the Irish Arkle because it's not up on what I'm looking at at the moment. By the time this goes out, we may know who you ride. Do you know who you ride, Paul? Um, yeah, I'd, ima- I'd imagine I ride Blue Lord. Okay. Um, it, it's a, it looks... Uh, I've only just scanned down through it there now myself. Um, it, it, it's going to be a competitive race. I think the mayor, albeit she had a very hard race the last day, um, I don't think she gets the, the credit that she, she deserves for. She made a proper race of it. And um, you know she she has all the experience, and we have to give her plenty of weight as well. So um, I think I think she's kind of the forgotten one in this division. Now we, we've talked about you know the, the juvenile horse who who has had a race. Blue Lord probably hasn't really had much of a, a race this this term because he's been so good. I mean he, he'll have a bit more on his plate on Saturday. Oh, he definitely will. He'll know he had a race. 
uh, Saturday evening, that's for sure. But he's, you know, he, he's had he's had plenty of runs over hurdles uh, last year. He's he, he was keeping good company, um, and you know there wasn't they took out a couple of fences in Nace with the sun the last day, which which wasn't ideal, I suppose. But um, no, this is going to be a proper test for him, and we'll we'll see where he fits in after that. Um, obviously, the other two were were very good in their beginners as well. Uh, Saint Sam and, and Hart on Colliers. Mm. So um no it's it's a it's it's a very competitive race and um whatever comes out on top will 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 have to earn it. I feel like we focus so much on speed, particularly with the, the novice two mile division. I, I I don't know why why but it feels like we do with all these these arcles, Irish Arkle and the Arkle at Cheltenham. How quick is your lad? Um I I don't think he's a slow horse. Um, but he's he's a national hunt horse rather than a an ex flat horse. If you know what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say, he um, you know I think he'll he'll see it out well. I think he's I think he jumps well enough. Uh, touch wood that he jumps well enough and quick enough that it probably makes him a, a faster horse than than maybe he is behind it all. But he I, I I think he'll he if he can hang in there he'll he'll stay going as well as I think. Um, finally, the opening race on Saturday again. I, I I don't know who you ride. Have you made a final decision yet? No, I haven't made it yet. Um, just going in there now. So um, obviously, Daryl Keith is retained by um, the owners of, of uh, what you want, um, and Brian and Manella Cookman are in there. So uh, we're just we're, we're just going and fighting like that there now. Um, good man. You probably need to do that quickly on Shacken. How excited are you to get back on him? Yeah, he's a horse that I love. Right, I look, I, I, I love riding him. Uh, he disappointed me in Cheltenham, obviously last year, and he's disappointed his, his run in the Tinga Creek this year. Um, it, the feeling he gives you around a, a track like Epperson and Punchestown is, is 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 as good as any horse to give you. So um, I've been disappointed that I thought I was riding him twice now. So hmm. I, I won't get my hopes up until I throw my leg over. But. Um, Look, once once he gets out there and and he um if if if, if he turns up, I I look forward to riding him every day. He's a, he's a real uh, he's a real thrill to ride. Do you think it is the travel thing, the disappointment at Cheltenham and Sandown? I don't know. It's the it, it's the obvious thing to point at. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't. He's lovely temperament and everything, but um, he just hasn't. He has disappointed the twice we brought him over there, mm. and. Like when he came back to Punchestown, I thought it was an incredible performance the back end of last year. So, um, look, he doesn't have to travel too far this weekend. Uh, he knows that road well, so hopefully he'll be okay. That's good. And, and Gallopin de Champ is actually a similar sort of price. He looked electric last time. He was very good. You couldn't knock anything he'd done. Uh, but this is going to be a much stiffer test for him. Uh, there's very good horses in there, great one winners in there. Um, not taking anything away from what he done at Christmas but um, he'll, he'll have to go and do it again um, and, and, and just distance wise I know he's, a, he's a, a winner at the top level over three miles but the, the consensus this week has been he doesn't lack speed no he doesn't um, and again I think the way he jumps and the rhythm he got in at, uh, in his beginners that um, you know he's definitely not a plotter and, and we'll know a lot more after the weekend where, where we're going to go with him but um, you know he kind of just he ended up in the three mile race in Punchestown and uh, he, he had no problem staying so you know the way he jumps and, and the way he travels around Leopardstown it opens a lot more doors for him.
Paul, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. No worries. Okay, we touched on the Silly Isles earlier on this week at Sandown. They also have the Contenders Hurdle, and that is going to feature Gary Moore's Goshen. I spoke to Gary a little bit earlier on, starting by asking him uh, what Goshen we can expect on Saturday. It's <laughs> a million-dollar question, isn't it? You know, like, uh, I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to say we'll, we'll get the... Goshen that likes going right-handed much more than left-handed. Uh, the only the only negative uh, there is with him is it's not his ground. Mm. I mean, I think we've got the driest January stroke February since God knows when, and uh, you know he, he comes to his best when the ground is you know as, as soft as soft as we can get. You know. Mm. Um, uh, so, but he's in good order and everything, and it was just a, I, I, I couldn't really, I couldn't really um, not run him, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and good grounds, good or good soft grounds, good for any horse, really. But um, uh, you know, like, um, yeah. So uh, you know, it's not the strongest race in the world, is it? How, how do you feel about? Uh, do, do, do you sort? Are you at the stage where you're you're looking forward to, to getting him out again, or, or are you a little bit apprehensive each time he runs, just because he, you know, you're not sure no. exactly what you're going to get? Not at all. He he ran a perfectly genuine race the other day. He just didn't like going left-handed that mm. much, you know. I mean, he's, he's that. It must have run okay because he's been put up five pounds for it. So um, you know, like uh, you know, like I'd have been annoyed if it. If it matters it doesn't really matter with him but um you know he, he, at the end of the day he got beat a length mm. he got put on the worst ground possible by the uh, uh the horse on the outside of him and it, it, it nearly cost him the race you know so um it, you know like although he went left-handed he, at least he had his ground that day mm. if he'd gone right-handed i think he'd have even been better with soft ground but um it's a sad sand down the track like I think also him is a win around there uh, so I had to run him um, just, just on that rating you say you know, I know he's gone up for that run does, does that sort of make your mind that whether you were to go back down the handicap route with him like you did at Ascot or, or would you just rule that out I, I nearly have to rule that out but there, there, there's going to be a time when I'm probably going to have to go back down that route um, and probably over further you know hmm. Um. Okay, well, we're looking forward to seeing him. Um, and anything else notable that we're we're looking to see this weekend? Is, is, shall we have one more going to run? Yeah, he runs in the first race there. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And if if you know, it depends on how we ride him. He, he could run a very big race. I hope. Well, how do you, you you're obviously you know quite vocal about the the run at Ascot. We all saw how how full of promise it was. What what did you yeah. what did you make of Sandown? Um, I hope he just got stuck in the mud that day. You know. Hmm. He's quite a light-framed horse, um, and I, you know, he, he didn't really get home in that ground. I hope that's what it was, anyway. Hmm. Um, and probably the horse, if he finished second, he'd have finished second to probably a very good horse. But yeah. um, he, he, he more likely got a bit tired. I hope you say he's a bit fitter this day. It was interesting. You you were willing to to chuck him straight up into into Grade One Company. You obviously think you've got a good horse there. Uh, definitely. I mean. <laughs> I mean, the, the horse that he beat when he won his bumper looked very promising the other day at Newbury, didn't he? You know, someone did tell me they say it's as good as they wouldn't know to choose between him and Constitution Hill. So, um, how true that is, I don't know. But, 
Hearsay. Yeah, either way, it, it, it sounds good, doesn't it? That That's that walking yeah, on air, yeah. isn't it? Walking on air. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And my horse, the three seconds of walking on air, he hacked up at Prompton the other day, so mm. he's obviously a good horse, you know. Send us away with a winner, Mr. Passad. Uh Right. A winner today, I think, Tom, and I'm hoping that I'm right, is in the first race at Chelmsford, uh, Magical Mile. He's been gelded, um, had a layoff, Overall disappointing uh, prior to being gelded. Had a layout, gelded, had a layoff, and came back and ran really well last time out, where I think he probably needed it. Uh, was racing a little bit wide into the straight as well. And second start after the gelding operation, a little bit fitter, a little bit sharper. I think he'll take the beating. Magical Mile, first race at Chelmsford today. Rishi, thank you very much indeed. Thanks for everyone for listening along this week. One more day, of course, and that's before the Saturday edition. And Nick Luck will be back with you hosting tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.